planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Ladies, gentlemen, addicts of all ages, it's Los. Welcome back to the podcast. We are working on finishing up week eight, Mung. Eight weeks in already. Can you believe that? Yeah, right around halfway done with the season. And uh, there's. it feels like we've already played a whole season with all the stuff that's happened already. But uh, luckily, we haven't had too many injuries this year. Well, that's for sure. I mean, we hit a bit of the injury bug with the quarterbacks, but uh, by and large, by and large, you're right. Uh, unless you're an Arizona Cardinals or Washington Redskins running back, that is. Right, and uh, a lot to talk about tonight with Kenyon Drake gone already. Um, just it's it's been kind of a weird week. It's uh, how are you doing in your leagues? Um, doing well in our league. And then in the other one, I actually, uh, I hit the trifecta. I started Kenny Stills. I started Chase Edmonds and on a whim right at the end, I was, well, it's cause I started actually it's the quadra quadra effector or whatever that word would be. I started Kirk cousins had a, I mean, he actually looked pretty good, but didn't put up the fantasy points, but I knew I needed to sort of swing for the fences. And I ended up putting in uh, Corey Davis in my uh, second flex in that league. I think we know how that turned out. Yeah, that uh, that did not work out there. But uh, you know, it's funny. I actually benched Mike Evans and Tevin Coleman in our league. Oh, um, oh. but I'm still going to score about 200 points this week. So, wow, yeah, that's, that's a dynasty uh, right there. But then, of course, in another league, uh, I'm going to lose by one point off of that Lashawn McCoy fumble. So that's just uh, that's just how it goes. Uh, Fantasy is a fickle mistress, and you win some and you lose some, right? The fantasy gods giveth and they taketh away. Right. Lots of good matchups to talk about coming up this week, although uh, I will be missing all of them. Uh, I will be out next week. I'm actually going to be in Japan, so it'll be the Los and Dan show. Yeah, that uh, that is actually going to be something. Um, <laughs> we're going to see how it goes. The Los and Dan shows sort of get off the rails at times. Be sure to tune in, though, just so you can see how how, how things change when uh, when uh, when Mung's away. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be sure to tune in. I've got a long flight, so I've got plenty of time to listen in to the shenanigans next week, I'm sure. Perfect. But uh, let's get to the rest of the show here. Uh, we're going to kick it off, of course, with the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. Denver went into Indianapolis and nearly pulled off an upset, but Andrew Luck, I mean Jacoby Brissett, said <laughs> no to that. It was a low-scoring battle of the defenses in this one. Through one half, the Broncos led 6-3 to three by just a field goal, but then they started the second half hot with a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. The Colts answered back late in the third quarter, though, as Brissett found Jack Doyle for two big passes for 35 yards, and then Marlon Mack capped off the drive with the touchdown. Of course, Adam Vinatieri's missed extra point put them in a bind, but Brissett found a way, trailing 13-15 with under two minutes to go. Brissett engineered a seven-play, 56-yard drive 
to set up Vinatieri for a redeeming 51-yard field goal attempt to retake the lead. In this drive, it included a play on which Brissett broke away from Von Miller, of all people, to thwart an almost safety, instead finding T.Y. Hilton deep for a 35-yard gain. Get your close shave like Jacoby Brissett with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And of course, try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. That was a great game. Uh, really liking Indianapolis. The Denver defense is coming together um, nicely, actually. Uh, everybody's sort of, I think, uh, writing them off, but but they're coming together pretty well. Vic Fangio uh, has righted that defensive ship. But Indy, uh, Indy's like a dark horse pick for the Super Bowl, I think. Mm, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think they've played very well, given given their strengths and weaknesses, but I don't know that... They're going to be able to beat, say, a, a Kansas City Chiefs team at full strength, uh, you know, or New England even, uh, you know, just making it past that divisional round. That's what a dark horse is. Right. I, I just, I guess I don't see it. I don't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, we were taught we got dark horses. Now we got dark days coming into this Thursday night. San Francisco at Arizona. If we can kick off our game previews, unless you have any uh, objections. I object, Your Honor. Oh, I'll wait. Uh, motion denied. <laughs> Thursday night football, San Francisco at Arizona. The Niners are rolling 51 points scored against Carolina, and Arizona should not really slow them down much. 175 yards and two touchdowns, one interception for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he is a solid stream here in Arizona. The big game upside isn't necessarily necessarily there yet. Has not needed to be. They're running at will on whoever they please. Emmanuel Sanders started his Niners career hot. Four catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown early in the game. George Kittle celebrated uh, tight end day with six of seven, 86 yards. Uh, past that, they ran the ball 48 times to ice that game. 11 for 105 yards, three touchdowns for Tevin Coleman, as well as two catches and a touchdown, fourth touchdown for Coleman through the air. As uh, Matt Breida was hurt early, Breida opened the game with 11 carries, 35 yards, and Raheem Mostert added nine carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown of his own after Jeff Wilson was injured. Again, uh, Tevin Coleman's a running back two here in Arizona, and whoever else is healthy, Rita or Mostert is a solid flex. Yeah, we just saw Latavius Murray here running roughshod over this Cardinals defense. I would expect the San Francisco running backs to do the same here. As you said, uh, I'm also a fan of Coleman this week as a great high-end RB2 option with running back one potential again. Uh, Breda's ankle sprain doesn't sound too serious. Uh, he's played through sprains before like last year, so I would expect him back Thursday here. He was held out of the rest of that game because the Niners were up so much, um, and he would be a, a very viable flex play here. Uh, he was tackled on the two- or three-yard line, I think, on one of his runs and uh, certainly could have scored, but uh, Coleman ended up finishing that drive. And uh, most certs, I guess he's an okay RB4 option here, uh, assuming this one's another blowout, which it very well could be. Uh, Mostert could get some work late. And then Sanders, as you said, was immediately involved after his trade to San Francisco, uh, but still just a wide receiver three with upside here. Uh, there's just not a, not a whole lot of passing volume because, as you said, the run game has been so efficient that they really just haven't needed Garoppolo to throw it a ton every game. And, of course, you're starting Mr. George Kittle here. 
Arizona gets that short week to prepare for San Francisco. And with both top running backs hurt, uh, David Johnson and Chase Edmonds, they traded for Kenyon Drake. Even if Edmonds is healthy, I'd avoid him altogether versus the Niners. If he's out, uh, Drake has not really had time to learn this playbook. He's just a desperation flex play, if that, especially given the potency of that San Francisco run defense. Just a 10-point day for uh, Murray in New Orleans. But that is a good defense in New Orleans against the quarterback. Uh, we could see a similar day, honestly, in San Francisco or versus San Francisco. I do like him rest of the season to sort of maintain that uh, that floor. But I don't know. My 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 thoughts have been wavering. I know you're the big uh, Murray guy. Have you been worried at all? No, I, I think a lot of this is matchup based. As you said, the Saints are a very good defense. Uh, I certainly would not start Kyler Murray here, though, against uh, a San Francisco team that's allowed uh, here. They've allowed <laughs> three points to Case Keenum a couple weeks ago, one point to Jared Goff, negative two points to Baker Mayfield. Uh, just not a whole lot there. I, I would definitely not play Kyler Murray in one quarterback leagues this week. Yeah, not running enough to make the difference there. Uh, Christian Kirk led the team with his return, 8 of 11, 79 yards, adding one rush for 19 yards. And he could be due for a little more of that rushing work if this uh, running back situation doesn't improve quickly. Kirk is a PPR wide receiver, too. And unfortunately, uh, Larry Fitzgerald must be seeing tighter coverage or something because I refuse to believe that he's lost a step all of a sudden. Uh, just 2 of 4 for 8 yards. He's a low, low-level flex option with low upside here this week right and, and i'm not as high on christian kirk as you either this niners defense has just been so good i'm not sure there's going to be a whole lot there even with the target volume uh certainly wouldn't trust charles clay after you know getting most of his yards on that trick play and a and a blown coverage there for that 88 yards against new orleans um just not a whole lot of love here in general on that short week facing an elite defense so we'll see uh, if David Johnson is able to come back, but it sounds like he still might be a week away. Chase Edmonds has been ruled out for multiple weeks. Uh, sounds like a pretty severe hamstring injury. And even if Kenyon Drake does get quite a bit of playing time in his first week in Arizona, I, I just don't know that there's going to be much here against this Niners defense. He would be a flex play at most. I would be shocked uh, if Arizona could pull this off here. Uh, this is a legit Super Bowl caliber Niners team so I will take San Francisco on the road I will take San Francisco Sunday 8 30 a.m. Central 9 30 a.m. Eastern Houston versus Jacksonville at Wembley uh, Wembley Stadium in London sorry uh, the Texans won a closer than expected game versus the Raiders and the biggest news is actually the loss of J.J. Watt in my opinion um, the defense the defense is hurting here this offense is getting to keep producing sort of uh, keeping that offensive Touchdown numbers up Pat Mahomes and uh, the Chiefs style last year. Watson threw for 280 yards and three touchdowns with 40 yards rushing, including 11 uh, receptions, 109 yards to DeAndre Hopkins, six for 58 and two touchdowns for the tight end Darren Fells, and just three catches, 22 yards to Kenny Stills. I would go back to the well here on Kenny Stills. He's going to be hugely risk-reward, just like Will Fuller was earlier in the season, and he was on the field practically the entire game. The targets just did not go his way here, much like Will Fuller before his huge game that happened with those uh, three touchdowns, which could have been five, and I think it was 200-plus yards. Half patience and a little faith. Keep still. Uh, the coverage will all roll Hopkins' way here in Jacksonville. I don't care for Hyde as more than a running back three, probably, here in Jacksonville. 
Uh, I'm not quite as optimistic on Stills. It was a really good matchup for him against the Raiders here, and it's going to be a little bit tougher against this Jacksonville defense. And then Kiki QT was inexplicably benched. We don't really know the story behind that one. QT's probably droppable right now, or at least not startable until we see him do something. Uh, DeAndre Carter came in instead. Um, really just not a whole lot with uh, Fuller out. I mean, you would think that Stills would get a few more targets here, but really... It's DeAndre Hopkins that's just mopping up all the targets, and uh, if you're a Hopkins owner, certainly you're help, you're happy about that, but uh, just don't know how much production there's going to be for Stills here. Uh, of course, you're start, starting Watson and Hopkins, and as you said, um, you know Carlos Hyde will be a fine RB3 or flex play, still getting that goal line work. And then Darren Fells is worth discussing, at least, I think. Uh, he's got that weekly touchdown upside now, being utilized quite a bit in the red zone, and even though that's not necessarily reliable, I have him as a high-end tight end too this week. Uh, you know, Jacksonville is susceptible to the tight end. They just gave up two touchdowns to Ryan Griffin, so you could certainly do worse than Fells in deeper formats here. The Jaguars are the home team here in London, and they will—they should have what's uh, what represents a home game. They've played most of the last decade, uh, at least once a year in London. Uh, that said, these London games are always crazy. I'd lean away from Gardner Minshew here. Um, despite the uh, Texans' defensive uh, aber- or, uh, falling apart. Fournette keeps on with running back one value due to the receptions, 19 carries, 76 yards on the ground, 7 of 7 for 60 yards receiving, and this man is due for bunches of touchdowns sooner than later. D.D. Westbrook left the game early, leaving the passing work to D.J. Chark, who grabbed 6 of 12 for 79 yards and a touchdown, and Chris Conley, who caught 4 of 7, 103 yards and a touchdown. Both, uh, both should be flexes at worst here if Didi's out, I think. I like Chark a little more, uh, probably more like a wide receiver too. Yeah, I, I like Min- Minshew actually quite a bit here. Uh, this Houston secondary is pretty banged up. They have not been playing well. They almost allowed Derek Carr to steal a win from them at home. So I actually have Minshew as a high-end QB too here. I like him as a streaming option. As you said, Fournette is a great mid-range RB1 option. He broke off that big run against the Jets early on and then really didn't do much after that. But apparently after the game, he mentioned that he was battling the stomach bug. So that that kind of factored into it as well. Certainly his usage is that of a workhorse. And as you said, the touchdowns will follow eventually. DJ Shark, I like a lot here. Uh, I've got him as a mid-range a wide receiver two and then Conley I've got as a mid-range wide receiver three or flex with Westbrook likely out for this game with the shoulder and neck injuries um, we've seen his target share tick up a little bit with Westbrook out and then uh, you know maybe uh, call me crazy but uh, yeah I'm crazy like a fox Jacksonville barely lost to the Texans in week two at Houston um, and that was Minshew's first start he, he's looked really poised Leonard Fournette is rolling here Texans secondary is struggling, and while Wembley isn't really a true home game for Jacksonville here, it is pretty close. Minshew Magic in the UK. Let's go. Yeah, I uh, I don't think you're nuts. I'm actually picking uh, Jacksonville as well in a game that I think Fournette dominates. Sunday noon games, 1 p.m. Eastern in America. You're welcome. Washington at Buffalo. Another loss for the Redskins, who managed just three field goals against the Vikings. No other scoring. Not expecting them to to fare much better here in Buffalo. If Haskins gets the start, 
at any point of the season uh, or now. McLaurin is a completely avoidable wide receiver four or worse. Uh, I know they had a great connection in college, but Dwayne Haskins is not playing at an NFL level right now, not seeing the field the way he ought to be. Uh, McLaurin is the only consideration this week in Buffalo and only if Case Keenum gets the start. Right, and and even assuming Keenum plays, uh, you know, Tredavious White's going to be a tough matchup outside there against uh, McLaurin, even though he's played yep. well to this point. Um, just worth noting, though, that Chris Thompson could be back here uh, from that foot injury. He would be somewhat flex-worthy in PPR. And then rest of the season, uh, Darius Geis uh, started practicing today, so that's worth noting uh, just in case they decide to give the second-year player a bigger look rest of the season. You know, since they're not in contention here, they might as well. Uh, certainly worth a look in deeper leagues if you need running back help. Buffalo lost uh, big to the Eagles, and will look to take it out in the Redskins here. They'll be able to do that at home. Uh, Allen was great in Philadelphia, though. Two touchdowns, 40 yards rushing, should have a 20-point day here on his docket. Gore and Singletary should both fare better than their combined 53 yards rushing versus Philly. But I would only really start Singletary here as an upside running back three. A solid flex play. A solid flex play. He added four uh, catches for 38 yards, including a 28-yard catch and run for a touchdown. He has that big playability when he gets the ball in his hands. John Brown was fine, 5 for 54 versus Philly, but Cole Beasley got the touchdown here. Brown should be a flexor wide receiver three with upside again here and for the next couple weeks. Yeah, and Beasley, uh, he's producing enough to be a wide receiver five, but still very touchdown dependent without that consistent target share. Uh, Certainly a great matchup for Josh Allen, though. Wasn't a whole lot of throwing in that game against Philly with the wind, and uh, but here he remains that mid-range QB1. Certainly will add those points on the ground rushing as well. And then even though Devin Singletary played a lot more snaps this past week against the Eagles, I think that was more based on the matchup, just how tough it is to run on the Eagles. They went to that short passing game a little bit instead. I would actually still prefer Frank Gore here. Uh, I've got him as a high-end RB3, and Singletary is just a flex. Um, in fact, I, you know, I, maybe that's a good uh, a bet to talk about here. Uh, huh. I really don't like either of them, but sure, what the heck? We, what have we had zero bets so far this year? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I guess I'll say that Frank Gore outscores Devin Singletary in PPR. Sure, you've broken me down to betting on on running back fours against Washington. <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, the upside of Singletary. <laughs> yep, but I think we'll agree on uh, the Bills here overall. Without question, Buffalo to win. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota at Kansas City. Minnesota played a nice game uh, to handle the Redskins. Cousins was actually fine on Thursday, 280 yards, but frustrated owners, of course, with zero touchdowns thrown. He's an okay stream in, in uh, Kansas City, but I'd look to avoid him if possible just because that run game can really probably dominate this Kansas City defensive line. Uh, in that vein, Delvin Cook is a locked-in running back one, and Diggs and Thielen should both be fine in Kansas City as back-end wide receiver twos with upside if both are healthy and ready to go. Diggs went 7-of-7, seven seven, 143 yards, as Thielen did not play this past week. The next best wide receiver was Bissy Johnson with just two for 27, as Dalvin Cook actually had the second most passing work on the day. Right, and even though we liked Cousins last week, we did mention that a concern was potentially a lack of passing game volume. And really, uh, you know, in this one, that's not a concern, but Kansas City's pass rush is actually really coming on, and the impressive part is that they're doing it without Frank Clark or Chris Jones. And 
this could be a very good defense in a week or two and for the second half of the season um, if they come back and make it even stronger. But even as is, I'd probably avoid Cousins. I think it's going to be a tough back-and-forth matchup here between the two teams. I've got him as just a mid-range QB2 here. And it's going to be a big test for Minnesota on the road, uh, just keeping that offense going. Um, I, I do think Dalvin Cook will be fine here. Of course, you're starting him as a top five running back, just given how good he's been and how involved he is as a true workhorse for Minnesota. But at the same time, it's just, you know, I, I do think this is going to be somewhat of a struggle for Cousins. Uh, but I, I still like Diggs and Thielen, uh, prefer Thielen out of the two. Um, he seems to have that better connection to out of the slot with Cousins here. Matt Moore was not too bad versus the Green Bay secondary, actually. 267 yards and two touchdowns, including 6 of 9 for 76 yards to Tyreek Hill, 4 of 8 for 63 yards and the touchdown to Travis Kelsey, 2 of 2, 55 yards and a deep one for uh, Nicole Hardman, and 5 of 8, 45 yards for Sammy Watkins. I think they will be similarly effective uh, this next week versus Minnesota with Tyreek and Kelsey, of course, auto starts. But Watkins is certainly not locked in as more than a flex, uh, just a consideration at best. Xavier Rhodes will not touch Tyreek if he gets the targets here. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is becoming a shell of his former self, unfortunately. LaShawn McCoy started off with nine carries, 40 yards, and four catches, four targets, 23 yards, until a costly fumble. And it was mostly Damian Williams from there on out. Seven carries, 30 yards, and a touchdown. No targets. I don't really see either as better than a flex play here versus Minnesota at home, though. Yep, that's correct. Uh, LaShawn McCoy just sucks. I uh, hate him, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. Um, but really, this is a bad matchup for the running backs here. Uh, if you had to pick one, I would lean Damian Williams because LaShawn McCoy sucks. Um, in all seriousness, he'll probably still get touches uh, even after he got benched, but uh, I prefer Williams for sure in this one as more involved in the passing game. Uh, of course, the, you know, the big name missing here is Patrick Mahomes. It sounds like he might have a shot to play, but if Kansas City is smart, they're going to hold him out until he's 100% here. And then uh, the Chiefs could get both their left tackle and left guard back soon, uh, possibly even this week, and that could be a huge boost to the offense, uh, even with Matt Moore starting here. He played very well in relief against Green Bay, as you said. Um, I wouldn't go out of my way to start him in one quarterback leagues, but he's not a terrible QB2 option. We'll talk about him a little bit in the waiver wire section. And again, uh, you know, as you said, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, you certainly feel a little bit more comfortable starting them uh, after you saw more able to get the ball to them against Green Bay. I've got Hill as a low end wide receiver one and Kelsey still as a top five tight end here. And then one uh, other thing, Michael Hardman scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, not not something that I would consider for redraft, uh, but I've been all all about him in dynasty leagues. So just wanted to mention that one more time with Demarcus Robinson, a free agent after this year, and Sammy Watkins uh, with a big contract, and he could be a cut candidate too. The Chiefs nearly upset the Packers at home, uh, even in Matt Moore's first start of the year, and Kirk Cousins is no Aaron Rodgers. So give me Kansas <laughs> City uh, at home here. I think. Yeah, I'm going to pick Kansas City at home as well. New York Jets at Miami. Sam Darnold uh, caught some tough breaks here. Three interceptions in Jacksonville behind just two touchdowns and 200 yards. Call me nuts, but uh, I'm confident in him here. Unless Robbie Anderson is, of course, traded by the Tuesday deadline. Uh, Lev Bell was unexpected 
or was expectedly limited by Jacksonville, but he's a running back one here in Miami. Crowder and Anderson will both be okay flexes. And if Anderson is traded, I, I think Demarius Thomas fills in well anyways for flex value here. He led the wide receivers with 60, with 63 yards this week, while backup tight end Ryan Griffin pulled in two touchdowns as the top target with 66 yards. Good sign for Chris Herndon if and when he returns. Yep, and we'll talk about Demarius Thomas a little bit more on the waiver wire section, uh, but a lot could be happening with the trade deadline looming. Just a reminder that we are recording Monday night, so some of this stuff that we're talking about could change by the time you're listening. So, uh, you know, we'll try to cover those possibilities for sure, but keep that in mind when you're listening that some of this advice could be outdated as soon as tomorrow. So um, Thomas and Chris Herndon, as you said, both uh, potentially worth stashing as preemptive pickups here. Um, and if you've held Robbie Anderson past the bad matchups uh, against New England and Jacksonville the last couple weeks, uh, I would feel very comfortable starting him here as a wide receiver three with upside. Uh, I really hope that they don't trade him away. Adam Gase is just stupid. That, that's all I have to say. I, I just needed to add that. Tonight, uh, we're going to see what's left of this Miami offense. And actually, uh, despite some stupid play from the Steelers and some and a turnover, uh, they're they're beating the Steelers 14-3, to uh, close to halftime right now. Um, we get to see how the running back splats, uh, snaps are going to split with Kenyon Drake off this team. Uh, Preston Williams is probably an okay PPR flex here. Mark Walton is a running back three with the bulk of the work, I think. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add here. Miles Gaskin, uh, he's interesting, too, in deeper leagues with Drake gone. And then Devontae Parker, he's a viable wide receiver for, too, uh, given how how much better the offense has looked with Fitzpatrick starting here. Um, I, you know, I originally I had I had the Jets marked down here, but Miami's looking competent. And it wouldn't shock me if they get their first or maybe even second win here if they can knock off Pittsburgh tonight. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Miami at home. Don't be fooled. Don't forget exactly what I said last week. This is the exact type of game that the Pittsburgh Steelers are set up to lose because they are the worst team ever to play against bad teams, seconded only by the Bears. Sure, but at the same time, uh, you can't say the Jets have looked too good the last few weeks. They'll be fine. Jets by 10 points. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Chicago at Philly, and uh, you're not tying me to that line, by the way. Chicago at Philadelphia, heartbreak uh, for Chicago Bears. Wow, I sound a little too joyful. Heartbreak, Chicago Bears and fans with the last second field gold miss from Eddie Pinero. Let's talk about the bright sides, though. 27 carries, 135 yards, and a touchdown for David Montgomery. Four carries, three catches to Tariq Cohen. Five of seven for 62 yards in Allen Robinson and three of three for 67 yards for Anthony Miller. Uh, David Montgomery is going to fade back into a low level running back two or level flex play here in Philadelphia. Allen Robinson should be an upside wide receiver, too. And don't do not be shocked if Anthony Miller gets some points here. He's a risk reward flex play, in my opinion, this week in Philadelphia. I'm expecting a lot of garbage production here through the air for Chicago as they lose the game in the first half. Mm, I'm not as enthused about Anthony Miller as you, but I do agree that I wouldn't get sucked into starting David Montgomery after that big game against the Chargers. The Seagulls' defensive line is a far tougher matchup here. I've got Montgomery as just a flex play if he can score a touchdown, maybe. Uh, you know, Likewise, I wouldn't trust Taylor Great Gabriel too much, uh, just a wide receiver five here, even against a poor Philadelphia secondary that's gotten healthier. Allen Robinson really remains the only safe play for me 
Uh, I've got him as a low-end wide receiver, too, with some upside here. Uh, as you said, there certainly could be a little bit of garbage time production uh, through the air here. The Eagles get their shot at the Bears now. Wentz is a back-end quarterback one. Jordan Howard just keeps on rolling about 100 yards and a touchdown in Buffalo, and he gets a revenge game here versus the team that traded him for a fifth rounder. He's a very solid flex play at home, and I think he will trounce the Bears. Miles Sanders topped 100 yards, but had just six touches and a shoulder injury. He's a hold for now. The upside may come in a few weeks, but it's looking less and less likely with Jordan Howard continuing to produce. Elshon Jeffrey also gets this revenge matchup. Probably will score two touchdowns here. Uh, for real, though, he's a flex play or upside wide receiver three. I don't know if anybody uh, can be as frustrated right now as Zach Ertz drafters. Uh, we saw regression coming, but this is a bit ridiculous. Two catches, four targets, just 20 yards compared to three of five, 22 yards and a touchdown for Dallas Goddard. This is going to flip, but uh, it's going to be hard to stick through for Ertz owners. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, it's tough. Teams are covering Ertz with Deshaun Jackson out. Uh, they just don't really have a deep threat, uh, and you know defenses can play up a little bit. I would imagine that, you know, he's still a low-end tight end one here due to a lack of options at the position. Yep. Um, but certainly you don't expect huge upside here. Um, and though, speaking of Deshaun Jackson, he may finally be back. He's expected to resume practicing this week, but we'll see if he actually makes it back for the game. Uh, and then uh, Miles Sanders with that great run. I think he reached almost 21 miles an hour on that touchdown run. Um, of course, you know, he left that game with a shoulder injury later on. So Jordan Howard did eventually get more work late. Uh, once he left, uh, it sounds like it's minor Sanders should be ready to go here. Uh, I like him as a high end running back three Howard as a mid range flex here. Um, assuming Alshon plays, uh, I'd have him as a flex play as well, as you said, um, man, this is just, it, it's sad. The bears lost to the chargers, uh, the chargers mind you. So give me, give me the Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, the Eagles are going to soar fast and far. Uh, Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. Indy grinded it out and won that close game versus Denver. They get enough, another, well, until tonight, they were looking like a tough defensive pull in Pittsburgh. Brissett is a mid-range streaming option. Uh, Mack had a solid day, 19 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Just one catch. He remains an upside running back, too. Uh, regression finally came, and T.Y. Hilton was held to 50 yards and no touchdown on two catches for six uh, and six targets. He's still a solid wide receiver two option, though he does have that tough uh, Pittsburgh secondary he's playing against. The pass game was actually led by Jack Doyle's four or five for 61 yards with Eric Ebron hauling in just three for 26 and Zach Pascal just one catch six yards. That's why you don't waste your fab when we tell you not to. I'm not expecting Naeem Hines to cut into Max work here too much, not seeing Pittsburgh run away with this one at all. No, this isn't the greatest matchup against a fairly solid Steelers defense, but we're seeing tonight there are certainly cracks here. Uh, like Marlon Mack is a reliable low-end RB2 option. Hilton, a low-end wide receiver too here with some upside. And the best way to attack the Steelers could actually be the tight ends. We're not seeing a ton from Mike Kosicki yet tonight, uh, but we are seeing a lot of those short throws that could go to Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron here. Uh, I like Ebron as a high-end tight end too, and Doyle as a mid-range tight end too. Um, I will take Indianapolis uh, on the road. Oh, you didn't want to talk about the Steelers? Not a, not after watching this game. They're most, <laughs> they're my survivor pick, so I'm actually pretending they don't exist. <laughs> All right, fine, Ooh. fine, fine. Ooh, that's yeah, uh... yeah, exactly. No, but it was now or never early. to go with them. It's still early. I I I yeah. 
I don't want to talk about it. Uh, a decent <laughs> matchup here, actually, in the secondary for the Steelers. Juju should be an all right wide receiver, too, here. Connor should be back-to-back and running back one status, and that's about it until the young wide receivers provide some more clarity here. Pay attention tonight. It seems so far that the rookie Deontay Johnson is outplaying James Washington, but you never know if that could flip. Yeah, uh, really, it's Connor and uh, Juju, as you mentioned. Not a whole lot to add here. We'll see if Mason Rudolph can calm down a little bit, get some good throws off. Um, I'm going to take the Colts here. Just As you said, the Steelers seem to to play up to good teams, so they'll keep this close. Uh, but uh, I just <laughs> I actually wrote this in my notes before you did, but I wouldn't use this game in a survivor pool. <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> All right, Tennessee at Carolina. Wait, sorry, you, you are taking the Colts too, right? Yeah, I said it. Oh, sorry. I, I, I must have missed that. I was watching this the Steelers <laughs> no, pick, you ca- which is... Which you is... called me out when I skipped talking about the Steelers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. All right. Tennessee at Carolina. Don't worry, Dan will fix that. The Titans win at home versus Tampa Bay, and the offense was actually moving. Uh, Derrick Henry went 17 for 75 with a catch. Solid enough day uh, versus that tough Tampa Bay rush defense. He He's actually probably near the top of the uh, running back performers versus this team. Uh, he's a running back, too, again here. Jonu Smith was the, uh, was the passing game for this team. Six catches, seven targets, 78 yards in the touchdown. And those big names uh, faltered to the tune of two catches on three targets and, and an 11, yard, uh, 11 yards with that game-saving touchdown for A.J. Brown and just Two catches, six targets, nine yards only for Corey Davis. Yuck. Uh, not starting either of them here. Yeah, Derrick Henry just continues to be that touchdown-dependent RB2 here. Uh, really, he's had a ton of goal-line plunges, but not a whole lot of production outside of those. And then we'll see, uh, you know, as you said, Jonu Smith here. Uh, I've got him as a low-end tight end one if Delaney Walker's out again as the most consistent part of that offense. John, who's looked really good, um, he's getting those consistent targets from Tannehill the last couple weeks. And then, as you said, these Titans wide receivers have been up and down. Carolina's secondary isn't a scary matchup per se, but uh, I would have Brown as just a boomer bust wide receiver four and probably avoid Davis outside of deeper formats here. Tannehill is a great stream uh, against the Buccaneers at home, but he goes back to just that mid-range uh, QB2 status. And probably best served for Superflex or two-quarterback formats this week on the road against the Panthers. San Francisco got to Kyle Allen, forcing three interceptions, no touchdowns, and the offense was held to 13 points. Just five catches, 38 yards for DJ Moore, and four for 46 to Curtis Samuel. Tennessee is not going to be much easier. Uh, Moore is a wide receiver three. Samuel is just barely a flex consideration. But Christian McCaffrey keeps on trucking, 117 yards and a touchdown rushing on 14 carries and four catches, 38 yards receiving, a locked-in running back one. Yeah, and just to note here, Kyle Allen will be starting again this week, but Cam Newton uh, is starting to practice now. He could be back in a week or two. Um, If you've been holding on to Greg Olson, uh, he's certainly not startable right now, just barely even a tight end too, but maybe hold on to him with uh, Newton possibly back in a week or two. We certainly see that the target splits uh, favor Olson a lot more when Cam Newton is under center here. This is another uh, close one that I could see going either way this week, but I I will go with the home team Panthers here, even though they looked pretty awful against the Niners. uh, They're a better team than, uh, than that showing would indicate, I think. Yeah, I think this defense has Ryan Tannehill's number here. Give me the Carolina Panthers. 
Uh, that will lead us into our Sunday afternoon games. Detroit at Oakland. The Lions uh, win the high-scoring game at home versus the Giants, 31-26, to behind 340 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception for Matt Stafford. Great day. Uh, six of eight, 123 yards, and two touchdowns to Kenny Galladay. Just four of five for 22 yards to Marvin Jones, who can have up-and-down games like that. Eight of eight, 95 yards for Danny Amendola. I guess I was a week shy on his uh, disappearing act. And just one catch, 21 yards to TJ Hawkinson. Oakland's defense has been sort of solid, not scary remotely, uh, actually sort of bottom of the barrel. Galladay is an upside wide receiver, too. Stafford is a very, very decent stream play here. Um, dare I call him a quarterback? One play. Marvin Jones is a flex with Carrion Johnson essentially out for the fantasy season. The run game was actually led by Tra Carson, 12 carries, uh, 34 yards, and not Ty Johnson, who was close-ish, seven carries, 25 yards, was on the field a decent amount, and certainly not J.D. McKissick, one carry and three catches. I do not want any part of this gross run game whatsoever. No, not at all. It was a messy committee with Carrion Johnson out. Uh, you know, I, this is one of the reasons I was lower on Carrion preseason, uh, and we've seen it devolve into a complete committee with Patricia here. Uh, even Paul Perkins joined in on the fun. He played six snaps in this game. That's right. Uh, Ty Johnson looked the most effective out of the four, but I, I don't know how much that means. Just with, I mean, when when the workload split like that, uh, I, I don't know. You're basically counting on a touchdown here. Uh, so pour one out for those who bid all their fab budget for him last week. Um, and ironically enough, the passing game is kind of similarly spread out here. Uh, we saw Marvin Jones have a huge week last week and then really kind of just be very quiet this week. Kenny Galladay had the big play on that trick play. Um, I've got Galladay as a wide receiver two here, uh, Jones a wide receiver three, and then Amendola is a viable wide receiver four in PPR. Uh, we don't know if the target volume is going to keep up here. Certainly a risky start if you're going to go with him, but uh, it's a good matchup against Oakland, and he's seen 19 targets now over the last two weeks, so Really, uh, I think the story here is, as you said, it it comes together, uh, all this, the meld, no matter what wide receiver or running back it goes to, um, the center point here is Stafford, and I've got him as a mid-range QB1 this week. We've got three top 10 quarterbacks on bye, and he's been on fire. Uh, yeah, he's a QB1. All right. Uh, Oakland is holding close in a lot of these games. Derek Carr should be able to do enough at home to keep Darren Waller a tight end one and Tyrell Williams a wide receiver three at worst. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a running back, too, after another good workload day. 15 carries, 66 yards, and two catches for 15 yards receiving. I'm guessing a touchdown comes for him this week. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Lions defense hasn't been good, especially against the run. Um I actually don't mind Derek Carr here either. Uh, the Lions trade away one of their starting safeties in Quandary Diggs. And then there are rumors, too, that they could move Darius Slay as well. So either way, this is a great matchup here for Carr, who's been producing better with his offensive line and his receivers getting healthier. He's a good streaming option here. We'll discuss more on the waiver wire section. And then Jacobs played well against Houston despite the shoulder injury. I've got him as a mid-range running back, too, here with a lot of upside. And Tyrell Williams now healthy. He's a viable wide receiver three play as well, given uh, Detroit's struggles on defense here. And of course, Darren Waller remains Carr's primary target here and should be started. 
call me crazy, but the Raiders have been up and down, but playing tough this year, even against good teams, I think they can take this one at home after upsetting uh, Indianapolis a few weeks back and then almost pulling it off against the Texans. Yeah, they're lightly favored at home. I think Darren Waller has a big week and uh, leads the team to victory. Tampa Bay at Seattle. The Bucks lost their own heartbreaker to the Titans on a fumble recovery, blown dead early. That should have been a score for the defense, or for the, uh, I guess, technically special teams. Uh, Seattle's defense does not make you question your auto starts of Evans and uh, Chris Godwin. 11 catches, 198 yards, and two touchdowns for Mike Evans this week. Just four catches, 43 yards, and a two-point conversion for Chris Godwin. Ronald Jones and Barber split the work. 11 for 35 to Jones, 10 for 20 for Barber, one catch apiece, and run, both are running back low-level threes or fours if you're desperate. Honestly, I'd, I'd try and veer towards the path of dropping them and trying to get one of those high-level handcuffs. Honestly, I wouldn't want to start them anywhere. Uh, Cameron Bright did not get going with O.J. Howard out, but with Evan, when Evans has 200 yards, it's really hard for anybody, including Chris Godwin, to do much else. Yeah, I think this one has shootout potential. Um, both of these teams, uh, the defenses are not playing well, and both have explosive offenses. So uh, fire up Evans, uh, fire up Godwin. Uh, I've got Evans as a low-end wide receiver one. Godwin is a mid-range wide receiver two with upside. If O.J. Howard is out again with that hamstring injury, uh, Brake could be a boomer bust tight end too. But as you said, uh, Really, this pass uh, offense has been funneled towards Evans and Godwin, and I think uh, Winston could be a decent stream here as well. Uh, risky as always with Jameis Winston, but this should be a fairly good matchup for him with a lot of upside. Seattle keeps on rolling. They get an easy Tampa Bay secondary matchup here. Russell Wilson threw for another 180 yards, two touchdowns, and I expect more yardage for him here and at least two touchdowns versus the Tampa Bay secondary. Uh, Tyler Lockett went six of six for 100 yards with DK Metcalf catching three of five, 13 yards only, but two touchdowns. And he is becoming that red zone option. We thought he'd be big bodied physical receiver. Tyler Lockett's a wide receiver two. DK Metcalf is a high upside wide receiver three for me this week. Chris Carson keeps on chugging, 20 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown, but he faces that tough Tampa Bay rushing defense, and I would fade him a bit here, low-end low running back one, high-end running back two, whatever you want to call him. And Rashad Penny may be on another team by the time you hear this, but he has not been much of a foil or a factor uh, with Carson there regardless. Yeah, I think I, I'm projecting this game script a little bit differently than you. I've actually got Carson as just a flex play this week. Um, really don't like him against that Tampa Bay run defense here. My thought is that I think Pete Carroll's going to be stubborn here. I think he wants to keep running. Uh, you know, he's going to unleash Russell Wilson when it's a little bit too late in the second half. Uh, I, I like Lockett a lot uh, as a high end wide receiver too here, and Metcalf as a low end wide receiver too this week. Um, big fan of all the wide receivers in this matchup on both sides, and of course you're starting Russell Wilson in a game where they will likely need to throw. Uh, for me, I think the the key factor here uh, is going to be the loss of their starting center, uh, Justin Britt, who tore his ACL against Atlanta. Um, the offense struggled a little bit in that second half once he, he was lost. Uh, and I really think there could be some sacks, uh, maybe even some miscues with some snaps and handoffs here. Uh, could lead to a fumble or two. Look, uh, this is a little bit crazy, but I think this is my upset pick of the week. Uh, the Bucks stole one from another NFC team, the Rams, and I think they could knock off Seattle here uh, when when really they're not expecting it. I'm going to take the Bucks on the road. 
Yeah, here I think you are crazy. Um, Seattle's going to win this one at home. Cleveland at Denver. The Browns were run amok by the Patriots in that bad weather rainy game where Nick Chubb ran extremely well but was marred by that bad weather and teammate, unfortunately, related fumbles there to him. Call me an apologist if you want, but clearly the team did not lose any faith in him. He's a solid running back, one here in Denver. The passing game is going to be in a heap of trouble, though. Uh, Vic Fangio has gotten this defense corrected. Unless the trade deadline changes things and they ship off Chris Harris or something, I would avoid Baker Mayfield for sure, regardless. And I'm not taking anything from this Pats defense in the rain that game. Uh, but versus Denver, Odell Beckham Jr. is a wide receiver, too. Jarvis Landry is a PPR flex. Yeah, well, there's your uh, Deontay Johnson touchdown. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm letting it go. I don't want to get too excited. All right, it's all still right. the Steelers we're talking about. That is true. Um, yeah, the only other note I have on Cleveland here is that Cream Hunt is eligible to return next week. Um, Chubb certainly isn't a must-sell. He's still a running back one, even with Hunt back, but... There's a little bit of risk that Hunt could siphon away a few carries per game, limiting Chubb's upside. Um, but really, that's all I've got. I mean, you're certainly not selling Chubb low or, or anything like that. Uh, he's shown that he is the guy for this offense. Call me blinded by the light, but I, I'm really not worried for Chubb whatsoever. Um, I know going back to last season, you didn't necessarily think Hunt had the talent to be a running back one. I was on the yes side of that, but only because of the Andy Reid offense. And we've seen that Andy Reid is making the corpse of LaShawn McCoy a phenomenal player. I don't necessarily know that Kareem Hunt is more than a change of pace backup. No, I don't think so either. But I guess my point is he is certainly more uh, qualified than, you know, Dontrell Hilliard. So I do think he's going to take a few more touches mm -hmm. per game. It's really just okay. a, Sure. Um, a few fewer opportunities for Chubb per game. That's all it is. Fair enough. Denver played Indianapolis very tough and tight end uh, and tight and uh, could cause some trouble for Baker Mayfield here, of course. Still no reason to start Brandon Allen um, or Joe Fleck if he was healthy. Cortland Sutton kept uh, keeps on progressing forward. Now without Emmanuel Sanders, who was traded to San Francisco, three of six for 72 yards only for Cortland Sutton. Uh, Noah Fantley actually led the team in targets with a double-plus matchup last week, converting only five for 26 yards. Nobody else surpassed 20 yards receiving. Um, if Flacco was healthy, I would have called Sutton a back-end wide receiver, two in Cleveland, but I don't really know what to do about him with uh, with this quarterback that I've never seen play before. Uh, Philip Lindsay was held to just 14 carries, 59 yards, with five short catches to Royce Freeman's 12 carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown with one short catch. Both are flex options again, and I think both get leaned on heavy, heavily in Brandon Allen's start. Yeah, I just don't see a whole lot of upside here with Allen. Uh, I mean, you're, you're starting Cortland Sutton, but I've downgraded him to just a mid to low end wide receiver three, given the risk of the QB play. Um, you know, this is sort of similar to, uh, you know, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey with Matt Moore. You just kind of want to see it before you start these guys. Uh, not a must bench, depending on your options, but just uh, not expecting as high of a ceiling here for any of these uh, Broncos players. Both the running backs are flexes, uh, splitting time in that committee, but as you said, I uh, would expect them to lean on the run game a little bit more here. None of the other wide receivers or fans are worth playing. Um, the Browns have been pretty good on offense and defense. They've just been plagued by those turnovers, you know, three back-to-back -back against the Patriots. I understand that the Patriots' defense is pretty, pretty elite, but uh, still, a lot of that was self-inflicted. I think if Mayfield can hold on to the ball here, or at least get rid of it before Von Miller finds him, 
uh, you know, I think the Browns could sneak out with a win. Uh, I had more confidence in them when, uh, when Flacco was starting, but, uh, wait, did you say the Browns? Yeah. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Cause, cause I didn't rethink this game with Flacco out. I mean, Brandon Allen, I'm, I've been trying to look into him, but he's not the two. He's not Drew Locke. He's not, you know, he's not Chad Kelly. Well, some some I don't might know. say that him not being Drew Locke is a good thing, but you know, potato, yeah. potato. Well, tell John, or tell John Elway that, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe they can trade for Brock Osweiler, re-sign him for a little bit. <laughs> uh, that would uh, that would be something. You know, gosh darn it, I hate changing my picks, but I don't I don't trust this Allen kid whatsoever. I'm gonna take Cleveland. No, fair enough. I'm gonna take Nick shift. Chubb. That that's really where I'm leaning is that Nick Chubb wins this game. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Green Bay at the L.A. Chargers. The Packers leaned on Aaron Jones uh, in the past game here, and it paid off in a big way. Good work, guys. Hopefully uh, you keep on doing that. Aaron Rodgers went 305 yards, three touchdowns, and is locked in in L.A., including seven uh, seven for 159 and those two touchdowns to Aaron Jones, three of three for 14 yards and a touchdown for Jamal Williams in the back of the end zone, 48 yards for Kumaro on four targets, five targets for Lazard's 42 yards, 20 yards for Graham, and less than 10 yards and one catch apiece for Montel Vontavious Scandling and Geronimo Allison. That will flip. I just don't know when. Honestly, I'd probably just go with Jamal Williams as the best flex play of all these secondary pieces here, uh, even with Aaron Jones's big day. Jones is a solid running back one, of course, now, and this team badly needs a wide receiver, be it Devontae Adams or somebody here at the trade deadline. Don't be shocked if we see a new face by 4 p.m. Tuesday. Yeah, I think the Packers will be okay. Uh, the report is that Devontae Adams is likely back this week from that turf toe injury. Assuming he is, this should be all systems go for this Packers offense that's already been playing well. Rodgers, I have as a top-five quarterback. As you said, Jones, a low-end running back one for me. Uh, Williams, a, a decent flex play. He continues getting those goal line touches, vulturing uh, some touchdowns from Jones, uh, and he's involved in the pass game as well. And then of the wide receivers not named Adams, uh, Alan Lazard seems to be the preferred option. Although Marcus Valdez-Scantling is going to be that big play threat. I'd have Lazard ranked as a low-end wide receiver three here, uh, MVS as a boomer bust wide receiver four. And I wouldn't expect a ton for Jimmy Graham uh, with Devontae Adams back here. Uh, he goes back to just a middling tight end two option. And, of course, you're starting Adams as long as he's active. Hopefully, hopefully he can stay active. Turf toe ended Ladanian Tomlinson's career. I, I Adams is like a dynasty sell for me. Really, you're that worried? I am very worried about this injury. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. The Chargers got the road win, but that doesn't scare me for this year. When he's in this year, it's he's going to be okay. But I think this is going to be something that lingers. To clarify. All right, the Chargers got the road win versus Chicago. We all saw that happen. Rivers now gets that tough Green Bay pass defense, and I'd avoid him this week. Keenan Allen went 7 of 10, 53 yards, to Mike Williams, 3 of 6 for 69, and Hunter Henry's four catches, six targets, 47 yards. Keenan Allen is not getting benched, especially in a PPR league. He's at worst a wide receiver, too. Williams could see your bench this week, though, with a few better options, with a few better options available that we've talked about. Uh, the running game was stifled to an extent by the Bears. Jordan with just eight carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown. 
with two short pass catches. And Eckler went just three carries, three yards with just two catches, 19 yards, and that touchdown salvaging his day. I think both are going to be all right here in Green Bay. Gordon should be able to reclaim at least running back two value here. I think, honestly, he's been getting himself in his own way with his lack of conditioning more than anything else is what it looks like. And I think Eckler's a really great flex option this week in Green uh, versus Green Bay. Yeah, really, Gordon's holdouts killed both his and Eckler's fantasy value uh, with this frustrating committee now. Uh, I don't know that either is more than a flex play, as you said. Uh, I would still prefer Eckler. He's the more dynamic passing back, especially assuming that Green Bay is going to get out to a lead in this game. Um, And then Keenan Allen actually dropped a touchdown in the end zone against the Bears. Um, he actually tweeted out today that he owes his fantasy owners one, so I would believe him. I'd start him as a wide receiver, too, in this one. Uh, he's a man of his word, and he's certainly talented enough to get open against uh, even this Packers secondary. Uh, Williams, I have as a boomer bust flex. Uh, certainly he could go up for a 50-50 ball and come down with a touchdown, or he could not. Uh, that's the risk there. And then Hunter Henry wasn't able to do a whole lot against the Bears, but he continues to get more than a 20% target share from Rivers. Uh, That kind of target volume alone is going to keep him in that mid-range tight end one uh, area this week. Uh, Just not a whole lot out there at tight end, so you're starting Henry, of course. And then the Packers are hot right now. I would uh, bet on them to keep rolling against a bad Chargers team, especially if Devontae Adams is back, uh, even on the road. Yeah, this is a no contest. Uh, Green Bay on the road here. Sunday night football, New England at Baltimore. The Pats just keep uh, chugging along. Not much to take from that rain game versus Cleveland. 260 yards, two touchdowns for Brady, who's a quarterback one against a struggling Ravens secondary. Julian Edelman went 8 of 8, 72 yards, two touchdowns, and is an upside wide receiver two here. And with the addition of Mohamed Sanu, though, I'm really avoiding the tight ends and other wide receivers as his role is developed here. Could be a lot of missed points by keeping them on your bench, but I just don't think any consistency is going to be there for Sanu. Dorsett or Myers at all for right now. Uh, The word is that Josh Gordon will not be back with this team this year or ever, possibly. Uh, As for the running backs, Sony Michelle led the team in the rain with 21 carries, 74 yards. A pretty pedestrian day, poor uh, yards per carry average, as he's been doing all year. He remains running back three. Uh, James White had just two carries, four catches, five targets, 75 yards receiving, but should get a little more use against a Baltimore team that may be able to score a few more points. He's an upside flex or PPR running back to this week, assuming Beck, uh, Rex Burkhead doesn't shake things up too much. This is uh, this is the game I'm most sad about missing this week when I'm going to be out of, out of the country. Uh, this is a potential playoff preview game. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Smith should be back healthy for this one, making it a slightly tougher matchup for Tom Brady here in the secondary. But uh, certainly doesn't scare you off of Julian Edelman. He's been just an absolute target monster here. Remains a volume-based wide receiver, too, in PPR with a lot upside in this one uh, if it does become a high-scoring game, as you said. I like Sanu and Dorsett both as flex plays this week. Uh, White, I've got as a low-end RB2, and Michelle, a mid-range RB3, continues getting a lot of usage uh, near the goal line, uh, so it really just depends on whether he can score a touchdown or two here. We did see Nick Chubb <clears throat> excuse me, have a huge game against the Ravens a few weeks back, and uh, it's not out of the range of possibilities for Michelle to have a similar game here. 
Baltimore gets the uh, extra week to prepare for this tough Sunday night football matchup. Lamar Jackson is going to produce with either his legs or arm. You cannot bench him despite it being the Patriots' defense. Ingram's just a running back, too, here, and I would avoid the wide receivers if I could, honestly. There's going to be yardage, but it's not going to come easily, and it may have to filter through Willie Sneed or a mixed bag of options that are not starting for your team. Uh, Mark Andrews is a back-end tight end one here. I don't think uh, I don't think you have to bench Lamar Jackson, but I also have him ranked the lowest that I have all year. Uh, I just I really want to see how Belichick's going to try stopping Jackson from running. They certainly have fast enough linebackers and cornerbacks who could make things difficult for Jackson this week. Uh, we saw the Chargers last year; uh, they played a lot of dime packages to stop Jackson from running free, forcing him to throw a little bit more. But he did end up passing pretty well against them. Uh, of course, uh, you know this Patriots secondary is going to be a lot tougher to throw on. So, this is going to be the first big test of the year for New England's defense. Uh, call me crazy, but I think they are going to limit Jackson a little bit. I've got him ranked as just a low end QB one. Um, just quick thoughts on over under like sixty five rushing yards for Jackson this week. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable. Uh, uh, probably just under. I think, but I think that's a pretty reasonable total. Okay, yeah, I mean, I really think they're going to try and force him to throw more here, rely on his arm, um, and I think that will help Marquise Brown. Uh, supposedly, they're optimistic that he'll be back this week. Uh, I like him as a low-end wide receiver three here, should get peppered with targets. Um, and then Ingram is a high-end running back three. Mark Andrews uh, is probably going to be the safest play among these Ravens players with Brown coming back and drawing some attention, freeing up Andrews underneath. I've got him as a low end tight end one who should see quite a few checkdowns here. Um, man, just again, this is not a, not a game that I'd play in survivor pools. Uh, really tough to pick here, but even on the road, I, th- I think I'm going to lean the Patriots here. Just can't bet against Belichick. Yeah. I'm going to take the Patriots here too. Monday night football, Dallas at the New York Giants. Dallas got the bye week plus the extra day to get ready for the Giants. I don't think they needed all that, but I don't do the scheduling. Everybody should be ready to go here. Dak is a back-end quarterback one. Zeke and Cooper, of course, and Mike Gallup should be a solid flex or upside wide receiver three here. Yep, the only thing I'll add here, uh, Witten, a touchdown-dependent tight end two here. He did find his way into the end zone uh, against the Giants week one. Certainly could again this week. Now, the Giants put up solid points in Detroit, but not enough to win as this offense begins to grow together and meld together. 300-plus yards and four touchdowns for, uh, with zero interceptions for Daniel Jones' uh, career game so far. Obviously, you know, only the eighth game of his career, but it is what it is. I'd avoid him here in uh, versus Dallas, but there may be room to stream him soon going forward. Uh, Evan Ingram caught four of seven, 40 yards and a touchdown. 8 of 10 for 85 yards for Golden Tate in his revenge matchup versus Detroit. And Darius Slayton pulled in two catches, 50 yards for two touchdowns at a rare showing. Very fast. Uh, I'm expecting Sterling Shepard back soon, which will only help this team um, possibly this week. Potentially not, though. They've really been playing it slow with him. He must be recovering quite slowly. Uh, Saquon is an auto start, 150 yards combined with a touchdown, eight catches this past week. Yeah, um, of course, you're starting Barkley and Ingram, but uh, I do think that Sterling Shepard, it sounds like they're optimistic he's going to return. Assuming he does, it's going to muddy the waters here a bit for Golden Tate uh, and his target share. Uh, I think he he and Shepard together are going to be low in flexes until we see how the targets shake out. 
You just said, uh, as you said, Darius Slayton had a very nice game against the Lions. Uh, big bodied, fast wide receiver, still in development. Uh, he's more of a dynasty hold here, especially with Shepard back. I've got Slayton as just a wide receiver five, despite the possibility of another contested touchdown in the end zone. Uh, you know, that's certainly possible. I will take the Cowboys fresh off their bye here. And then uh, I would bet on Michael Bennett getting at least one sack after they traded for him. All reasonable, all reasonable. I will take uh, Dallas on the road as well here. Four teams on the bye this week, Atlanta, Cincinnati, the L.A. Rams, and New Orleans. Uh, with Atlanta on the bye, of course, that benches Matt Ryan once he's healthy. Uh, Devontae Freeman, Julio, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper. Ryan might be back in two weeks, uh, but the offense was just fine with Matt Schaub. 480 yards for that quarterback. And I'd try and buy Calvin Ridley, if able, on his off week uh, with Sanu gone. If uh, there's a needy t- team needy for a win that can't, uh, that you have an asset to help get uh, Calvin Ridley. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. I just can't say it. I like him going forward this year. Uh, Cincinnati, Andy Dalton, Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Alex Alex Erickson, Auden Tate, Tyler Reifert. Mixon uh, got slightly more mixed in into the pass game, and that's really the only way this team has a chance going forward. Alex Erickson had 97 yards, but A.J. Green's impending return is going to mix all that up, too. The L.A. Rams, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Gerald Everett, Greg Zerland. Cooper Cup went nuts for 200-plus yards and a score. Cooks left with a concussion. Good time for a bye week for this team. And then the New Orleans Saints. The return of Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, Michael Thomas, and Jared Cook all on byes. The Saints win again at home and are on a roll. They've well-learned this week off. Look for Kamara to get healthy soon. Three touchdown passes for Drew Brees in his return here. I, uh, I guess his thumb's doing okay. Yeah, I, I guess so, and uh, you know, I don't know if you saw, but there was a pretty good uh, Halloween costume of Drew Brees in the crowd during that game as well. Um, of course, no, I missed it. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, uh, it was pretty spot on. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Brees comes off of our injury report, uh, starting at quarterbacks here. Patrick Mahomes with that right patella dislocation. He's questionable for this week. Mahomes got really lucky with little additional damage to the ligaments and arteries when his kneecap got dislocated. He's going to try and push off surgery until after the season and come back. He's officially questionable to play this week against Minnesota. Uh, But three to six weeks was the original timeline. Uh, If Kansas City is smart, they're going to wait until he's 100%. uh, But there is a chance that he could play, so keep track of his practice status this week. Case Keenum had the concussion Thursday night against Minnesota. He's questionable, but uh, again, with the game having been on Thursday night, he now has 10 days to clear concussion protocol, and he doesn't really have a history of those, so he should be okay to play this week. Um, Buffalo is a bad matchup regardless here, though. Joe Flacco with the neck injury. He's supposedly out for multiple weeks with that herniated disc. Not a whole lot of details on this yet, but... Reports from Denver are that he's going to be out for quite a while, so stay tuned for more updates here. Matt Ryan with that high ankle sprain. Atlanta's on bye this week, but he should be go. He excuse me, he should be good to go for Week Ten. Uh, it sounded like he was close to playing uh, even against Seattle, and the reports are that it's not serious. Um, again, this kind of injury isn't really as limiting for a quarterback who doesn't run much as say Saquon Barkley. Cam Newton with that list Frank sprain, uh, he's likely to return in week 10 or 11. Sounds like he's close, but still at least a week away. He's already been ruled out against Tennessee. 
Uh, but Newton could be close to returning for Week 10, so if you're, uh, ne- you have a need for a quarterback here, monitor his practice participation uh, this week and next. That takes us into running backs. David Johnson with the ankle injury, who's questionable, and Chase Edmonds with that hamstring out multiple weeks. Uh, with Arizona's trade for Kenyon Drake, it doesn't seem they uh, need the running back depth. Pretty pessimistic, not looking great for uh, David Johnson this week. Edmonds has already ruled out multiple weeks, so it's possible that uh, the new addition, Kenyon Drake, could get quite a bit of work immediately. Uh, Zach Zenner and uh, who was the other one they signed shouldn't pose much of a of a of a barrier. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Uh, is it Alfred Morris? Yeah, it was Al Morris. That's right. Matt Burita with the ankle sprain. Questionable, but likely to play. Burita left in the first half versus Carolina, but that game was a blowout. It was a low-grade ankle sprain, and Burita has played through injuries before last year. Uh, he should play this week, but stay updated to be safe. Uh, Miles Sanders, shoulder injury. Questionable. He was having a huge game before leaving with the shoulder injury. Monitor his practice status this week, but x-rays were negative. He was optimistic about playing this week during post-game interviews after the game versus Buffalo. Alvin Kamara with that high ankle sprain. New Orleans is on the bye this week, but he's likely to return week 10. We've been waiting a long time for this. Uh, Kamara was close to playing versus Arizona, but New Orleans elected to hold him out with the bye so close. He should be good to go week 10. Darius Geis with that multiple meniscal and knee surgeries, questionable. Uh, Geis was back at practice today with it being another lost season for Washington. They could see what they have in their second-year player over the aging Adrian Peterson. Monitor his practice status closely. Chris Thompson and his foot injury, questionable. Thompson is still the best receiving back in Washington, and with the team likely playing from behind in most games, he still has flex potential in PPR formats. Monitor his practice status this week. And then Kerryon Johnson, the injury IR. Johnson is officially on the IR droppable in all redraft formats i think he's eligible to return week 16 um but who knows if that's going to happen yeah and i mean even if it does are you, are you going to feel confident starting him in a championship matchup just fresh off the injury not really unless he's like looking really really good but they just can't reestablish him because of the ir designation status he's the kind of guy where he he's good enough that if you have a free ir spot i would stash him Mm, no, I mean, I wouldn't. Assuming you make it to the fantasy playoffs, you likely have better options at running back anyway. So, Yeah, but there's leagues out there with two IR spots, three IR spots. Sure. Not hurting I mean, if, if you have those deep IR spots, then yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's between him or like Nikhil Harry even, I would, I'd rather take a shot on Harry. Hmm. Yeah, I think Harry's pretty useless this year, but sure. All right, uh, moving on to wide receiver, though, here. Brandon Cooks with that concussion. Uh, the Rams are on bye this week, but he is questionable for Week 10. This is already Cooks' second concussion of the year, uh, the fourth or fifth of his career, really. Uh, as we saw with Sterling Shepard, he was held out for multiple weeks after his second concussion of the season. So Cooks could be out even after the Rams bye, depending on he, depending on how he's progressing through the protocol here. Definitely something to monitor. D.D. Westbrook with the shoulder and neck injuries. He's questionable but not likely to play this week. Westbrook was ruled out early against the Jets, and with the Jaguars bye coming up next week, they could choose to hold him out and give him two weeks to fully heal here, monitor his practice status. Marquise Brown with the foot injury. He's questionable but sounds like he's ready to return this week. He's gotten multiple weeks of rest now, and Harbaugh was optimistic that he's ready to go against New England. Adam Thielen with the hamstring injury. He's questionable, but also likely to play. Every report we've heard out of Minnesota has been positive, 
and Thielen was close to playing against Washington had it not been a Thursday night game. So check on his practice status this week just to make sure, but he should be good. Devontae Adams, turf toe, he's also likely to return this week. It sounds like he's good to go from all the reports, but that's another one where we need to monitor that practice participation this week to make sure that he is indeed on track to play. Sterling Shepard, sounds like he's finally ready to return from the concussion. He's been out for multiple weeks, uh, given that it was his second concussion, but it sounds like he's finally cleared the protocol here. Will Fuller with a hamstring injury, he's likely out until week 11 or 12 at the earliest. Fuller's been constantly banged up throughout his career and been boom and bust, boom or bust, excuse me, even when healthy. He's probably not worth holding in shallower leagues, but he always has that three touchdown upside when he does return to action. Deshaun Jackson with that groin injury, he's questionable this week. The reports are that he will start practicing, uh, but depending on how things turn out, he could uh, finally return here, or maybe he won't. So uh, definitely something to monitor if you own Jackson here. A.J. Green recovering from that ankle injury. Cincinnati's on bye this week, but it sounds like he's targeting a Week 10 return, so monitor his practice status next week. As for the tight ends, Jared Cook with that ankle injury. New Orleans on that bye, but could return Week 10. As with Kamara, uh, New Orleans chose to uh, rest Cook versus Arizona and get him back to 100% after their bye. And monitor his practice status this next week. Delaney Walker with his ankle, he's questionable. Monitor Walker's practice status this week. If he's out again, Johnny Smith could be a tight end one again this week. If Walker's back, that does make both tight ends difficult to start in fantasy. Chris Herndon and his hamstring, the Jets offense sorely needs more playmakers. And with rumors that Robbie Anderson could be traded away, Herndon could be a volume-based tight end one in PPR pretty quickly. Monitor his practice status. And O.J. Howard, questionable with the hamstring. These soft tissue injuries tend to be multiple weeks. If Howard's out again, Cameron Brait could be a viable tight end two in deeper formats as one of Winston's favorite targets over the years. Yep, and kicking off our waiver wire section with the quarterbacks here, we've got Gardner Minshew, 50% owned in ESPN leagues, 54% owned in Yahoo. Minshew's been extraordinarily consistent outside of that one rough outing against the Saints. Houston's secondary is banged up, and this could be the last big showing that Minshew needs to secure the starting job with Nick Foles possibly back after Jacksonville's bye. Minshew's a high-end QB2 here with QB1 upside this week. Derek Carr, 18% owned in ESPN, 26% owned in Yahoo. Carr played well against the Texans and could have had more had Tyrell Williams not dropped a crucial catch to keep that drive going late in the game. Detroit has already traded away starting safety Quandre Diggs to Seattle, and rumors are that Darius Slay is on the trade block as well. This is another good matchup for Carr with Oakland's offensive line and receivers getting healthier. He's a great QB2 streaming option this week. Matt Moore, 5% owned in ESPN, 8% owned in Yahoo. We left Moore off of our list last week as too risky without having seen him start in two years, but he passed his test with flying colors against the Packers. Minnesota's defense has been good on paper, but still allowed Case Keenum and Washington to keep things close in the first half. At home in a crucial game, expect Andy Reid to come up with some schemes to help Moore out yet again, keeping him in play as a mid-range QB2 with upset. As for the running backs this week, Kenyon Drake, 72% owned at ESPN, 61% in Yahoo. Miami was reluctant to give Drake a large workload, and while he may still be stuck in a bad committee in Arizona, the offense overall at least is a bit more productive with Cliff Kingsbury. 
<coughs> and Kyler Murray. Drake probably isn't worth starting this week unless you're desperate, but if Johnson and or Edmonds miss, miss next week as well, Drake could be a PPR flex play or even return running back to production in that air raid offense. Mark Walton, 19% in ESPN, 29% in Yahoo. Walton was already assuming lead back duties in Miami, but with Drake now gone, we'll see how much work he gets tonight versus Pittsburgh and whether Kalen Balaj continues stealing goal line runs. Walton is worth picking up as a flex play with running back two upside heading forward if his workload starts increasing and this offense works a little bit better. Jamal Williams, 55% in ESPN, 62% Yahoo. Williams continues to vulture some goal line touchdowns from Aaron Jones. He's getting a few targets per game as well as a receiver. Williams is a flex play but has running back one upside if Jones were to miss time. Frank Gore, 69% in ESPN, 57% Yahoo. There hasn't been much for Buffalo's run game, but this week versus a poor Washington run defense is a great matchup. Gore continues to lead the team in carries and could get a touchdown here as well. He's a high-end running back three this week in fantasy. Raheem Mostert, 9% in ESPN, 6% in Yahoo. Mostert mopped up in garbage time versus San Francisco, blew out Carolina on Sunday. Arizona may not put up much resistance either, so it's possible we could see more of Mostert later in the game on Thursday night if San Francisco's up big. He's just a wide receiver, five, uh, running back five, but has some upside if you're desperate. He would also be a flex if Matt Breida cannot suit up. Chris Thompson, 40% ESPN, 28% Yahoo. Darius Geis, 29% across the board. Geis is close to returning from his meniscus surgery and complications, and Thompson is probably the best receiving back of the three. None are worth starting as more than a flex play in this committee on a bad Washington offense, but clearly not in contention this season. Geis could see some more work if they decide to give him a shot, along with the rookie quarterback Haskins. Alexander Madison, 18% ESPN, 24% Yahoo. <clears throat> that one should be higher. Madison is a priority handcuff with running back one upside if Cook were to miss time, but he also could be a running back four option this week with four teams out of bye. He's gotten some red zone work in place of Cook and could see some additional touches in the second half if Minnesota can pull away from KC like they did versus Washington. And Kareem Hunt, 58% ESPN and Yahoo. Hunt is eligible to return next week versus the Buffalo Bills. He had some flex upside in PPR to the number two behind Chubb, depending on the workload he gets uh, once he returns, but he would also be a priority handcuff in this offense. Yeah, and speaking of handcuffs, uh, at wide receiver, we have a rare quote-unquote wide receiver handcuff uh, with Josh Reynolds, not owned in ESPN or Yahoo. Uh, the ball's getting spread around by Jared Goff, but uh, Reynolds did see eight targets and converted three of those for 73 yards and a touchdown with Cooks out with the concussion against Cincinnati. If Cooks can't return in time for their Week 10 game against Pittsburgh, Reynolds would be a high-end wide receiver four, maybe even a low-end flex play in PPR leagues. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, Davis 58% owned in ESPN, 62% owned in Yahoo, and Brown 15% owned in ESPN, 25% owned in Yahoo. The Titans wide receivers are finally getting some targets with the change at quarterback, and even though both had quiet weeks uh, in a good matchup against Tampa Bay, they're still in the mix as flex plays or wide receiver fours with another decent matchup against Carolina. Chris Conley, 10% owned in ESPN, 3% owned in Yahoo!, Conley has been inconsistent, but with D.D. Westbrook possibly out again this week, Conley gets a great matchup against Houston's struggling secondary. Minshew could find him for another big touchdown uh, in this game, especially with J.J. Watt lost for the season, further weakening Houston's pass rush. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, quick breaking news here. Uh, the Chargers have fired Ken Wisenhunt as offensive Whoa. coordinator. 
So I guess uh, the Bears' defense at least did something right. I don't know. <laughs> uh, not sure that has a huge amount of uh, fantasy implications. You're still starting, you know, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we'll see what happens. Yep, and then uh, Preston Williams here, uh, 9% owned in ESPN, 13% owned in Yahoo. Uh, we've seen him get targeted multiple times already tonight against Pittsburgh. Um, and with Brian Fitzpatrick starting, uh, this offense is at least moving the ball a little bit more. And given how poor Miami's defense is, there could be plenty of garbage time targets for Williams and possibly even Devontae Parker the rest of the season, uh, making Williams a volume-based wide receiver three or flex option in PPR. Demarius Thomas, we talked about a little bit, 5% owned in ESPN, 6% owned in Yahoo. Thomas has been the Jets' most consistent receiver since their bye week. He's a wide receiver four for now, but offers some upside, especially if the Jets were to trade away Robbie Anderson prior to the deadline. Keep Thomas on your watch list at the very least. Danny Amendola, 9% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. It's tough to trust any Lions wide receiver week to week, but He's now had 19 targets over the last two games. If you're desperate, Amendola is a wide receiver four with upside this week against a beatable Oakland secondary. Alex Erickson, 2% owned in ESPN, 7% owned in Yahoo. Uh, Like Demarius Thomas, uh, there's a possibility that AJ Green could also be traded, opening up uh, sustained work for Erickson here. He's led the team in catches and receiving yards the last two weeks. Uh, even though Green is targeting that Week 10 return, uh, that would negate Erickson's potential, but he's worth a look uh, with the Bengals on by this week uh, if Green does get moved. And speaking of A.J. Green, 80% owned in ESPN, 84% owned in Yahoo. It sounds like he's close to 100% health. Whether on Cincinnati or another team in Week 10, he could return to fantasy wide receiver 2 production with wide receiver 1 upside if he is healthy. He's available out there in a few leagues. If any of these tight ends sound familiar, it's because we talked about them uh, four out of the five last week. Janu Smith will likely be a hot pickup this week after the big game versus Tampa, but it's not too late to get some of the others cheap. Janu Smith, 1% in ESPN for now, 19% in Yahoo. With Tennessee's offense looking much improved after the switch from Mariota to Tannehill, Smith could have another nice game versus Carolina if Delaney Walker is out again this week. Carolina has not allowed many fantasy points to opposing tight ends, but they also haven't faced many teams that utilize their tight end in the passing game. Darren Fells, 13% in ESPN, 18% in Yahoo. Fells is far from a reliable option at tight end, but he's getting a lot of red zone targets, and he gets to face a Jacksonville team that just allowed two touchdowns this past week to to Ryan Griffin. You could do worse at tight end outside the top options this week as most tight end production is predicated on touchdowns anyways. Uh, Eric Ebron, 47% ESPN, 71% Yahoo. We'll see how Pittsburgh does tonight versus Mike Kosicki, but they've been top five in points allowed to opposing tight ends and gave up at least uh, eight receptions for 100 yards and two touchdowns to Hunter Henry in week six. Ebron could be a big factor in the red zone for Brissett after they've struggled to score versus Tennessee. Chris Herndon, 25% ESPN, 28% in Yahoo. If Herndon can return from his hamstring injury soon, the Jets have a great schedule coming up, playing Miami twice, the Giants, Washington, Oakland, and Cincinnati. The Jets' offense needs more playmakers, and Herndon could be worth stashing preemptively if you have the bench space. And finally, Mike Gesicki, the last uh, the last is maybe the least. 2% in ESPN, 3% Yahoo. If you're desperate, 
Miami's offense looks somewhat competent with Fitzpatrick under center. At least they can move the ball a little bit. We'll see if Miami can keep things somewhat close versus the tough Steelers defense, which they have been doing so far this game. Uh, but Gusecki has been more involved the last couple of weeks as a receiver, making him a viable tight end two in deeper formats. And at defense, we've got the Eagles defense here, 43% owned in ESPN, 39% owned in Yahoo. Mitch Trubisky has been awful, and the Philadelphia front seven should be able to get some sacks here. Secondary hasn't been the best, but they look healthier, and they played pretty well against uh, a good Buffalo team, even with the win. So uh, they could look even better against an inept Bears offense that couldn't beat the Chargers at home. Carolina, 49% owned in ESPN, 48% owned in Yahoo. Just four points last week uh, against San Francisco after getting dominated by the run game, but... The Panthers actually do have a pretty good defense, believe it or not, just not against Kyle Shanahan. Look for them to rebound at home against a much more vulnerable Tennessee offense. And then finally, Dallas, 32% owned in both ESPN and in Yahoo. We recommended Detroit last week against the struggling Daniel Jones, and it worked out pretty well. Until we see Jones improve, the Giants should continue to be a targeted matchup for defenses especially with the Cowboys having added Michael Bennett via trade from New England to further strengthen that pass rush. As for some kickers, uh, Brett Maher, 44% in ESPN, 28% in Yahoo. Brett Maher has been great this year and was likely dropped in a few leagues versus Dallas on his bye, or uh, with Dallas on the bye this week. The Cowboys should be able to advance the ball this week versus a poor Giants defense, even on the road here. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, sneak Brett Maher back into my lineup after I dropped him this past week. Dan Bailey, 10% in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. Kansas City's defense has been playing fairly well, which could mean quite a few field goals this week at Arrowhead for both teams. And Joey Sly, 39 in ESPN, 54 in Yahoo. As with Carolina's defense, Sly should rebound when not facing a dominant San Francisco team. Carolina's offense uh, should be able to move the ball at home versus Tennessee, leading to some more field goal opportunities in this one here. Yep, and, uh, you know, we're getting down to crunch time. Uh, These are the few weeks that are going to make or break playoff runs. Uh, Trying to sneak in, uh, this is the time to make moves, take some risks, make some trades, uh, maybe take a chance on some of these waiver wire options that maybe aren't big names but could get you the 8 to 10 points that you need at flex to uh, sneak in a win. So. Ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting uh, few weeks coming down the wire here, coming coming close to the fantasy playoffs. Um, as always, if you need more specific uh, advice for your fantasy team or league, waiver wire pickups, trades, lineup decisions, whatever it might be, you can find us on Twitter. I am at ffa underscore mung. That's M E N G. And I'm at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S, and you can reach our mega producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, Dan, like Dan the man. Uh, We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud, so go ahead and subscribe on all of those uh, platforms, whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, so that you can automatically hear us tomorrow morning, Tuesday mornings, right before work. Yeah, and uh, everyone will get a chance to hear a little bit more of super producer dan next week um i will miss all of you addicts uh we will i will see you in two weeks and as always it's a fantasy world and we're all just addicts in it thanks addicts mama is treating me to breakfast yep let me see your phone huh 
Look here. I download this McDonald's app because when you buy any bagel sandwich like the steak, egg, and cheese bagel, you get one free. Wait, you just bought that on my phone. That's right. Now that you got McDonald's money, you could treat mama. <laughs> okay, ma. You got it. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Valid through 10-222 at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. App download and registration required. 